Just remain standing for a moment. We'll go ahead and read our scripture uh, this morning. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We're continuing to study through the book of James. Preach through that. James chapter 4. We'll pick up where we left off last week in verse 13. Have you enjoyed being at church so far? Amen. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. And if you've heard two key verses in the book of James, it's probably what I preached from last week and what I'm preaching through or preaching from this week. James 4, verse 13 says this Go to now, you that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. And God, I thank you for the ones that are here. And I just pray that you would bless them for their effort. Lord, I know there's a few that are dealing with some health issues and those that are sick this morning that would like to be here. God, I just pray that you would bless them. Lord, just touch them wherever they're at this morning. And Lord, as we go into your word, I just pray that you would open, open hearts and open minds and open ears to receive what you would say. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. Lord, I know I'm unworthy to stand here this morning. But God, you've asked me to preach your word and that I will do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A lot of you know these verses, right? Uh, especially verse number 14. And that'll be the, the key to the message this morning is verse number 14. But I'll read this again. It says, Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. James begins to talk to the church. He's writing to remember a group of believers and he's talking to them about planning ahead. Now, this is a strange way to start a sermon, I guess you would say. But James addresses our plans and, and our intentions and what we think that we're going to do. Now, I would say that everybody in this room probably has the idea in your head that, that tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to do generally what you do every Monday, right? And that's groan and moan and complain. That's, that's what I do a lot of Monday mornings. Is, is, but we, we, cont- we tend to plan. Uh, in fact, a few years ago, I was, I was talking to a preacher, a pastor, and he was, he was talking to me about pastoring, and he said, he said as a pastor... He said, you need to have a plan for a year from now. You need to have a plan for three years from now. And then you need to have a plan for five years from now about the direction of the church and where you would like to see the church be. And, and that's all good and well. And, and he, was, he was really serious about it. And I don't think I, I took it quite as serious as he did. And then I think about another, another pastor who I sat under, a guy that's been in the ministry for years and years and years, and he said that his church does not plan past three months out simply because we don't know what three months from now is going to look like. And I look at both those ideas, and, and, I, and I see the good in them, and I see the bad in them, and, but neither one of them are inherently wrong. And what James is not saying here, I want you to understand this, is he's not telling you not to plan ahead. 
Okay, do, do we understand that? Do we, do we get that? He says that, that we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And then James goes on, and, and here's the message, really simple idea. He says in verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. We can all think about uh, days in our lives, not days of our lives, that's a soap opera, that's not what I'm talking about. Days in our lives where something has happened and our life has completely changed. You've been there, right? I mean, you, you, you've had situations in your life that have changed the entire dynamic of your life. I think about the day that, that Shaylee was born. I was, I was about to be a dad, and, and of course, Lacey, now get this, had been pregnant for seven months, not nine months. And the day before we had Shaylee, I was just minding my own business. I, was, I went to work, and I was doing what I, you know, what I did, just doing the, the mundane things of life. And little did I know that the next day that, boom, my life was going to change. I knew that day was coming, but I didn't know it was going to be tomorrow. You ever, you ever been in those situations and you look back and, and you see how your life was before and you see how it is now and, and you, you think, man, I wish I could have seen that coming. I wish I could have had, had an idea or had just a, a slight inclination that this was going to happen and maybe I would have done things a little differently. But just to tell you this, that's just how life works. You may have a plan what you're going to be doing a year from now. Some of you may be looking forward to retirement one year from now. Some of you may be looking forward to just a lot of things, maybe a promotion or maybe a, a lot of things going on differently in your life. Maybe some of you say a year from now, I'm going to have so much money in the bank or maybe a year from now I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But really, you don't know. You don't even know if you're going to see the sunrise tomorrow morning. In fact, you don't know if you're going to see the sunset today. Amen? And so James asked a very interesting question. And, and there's, a, there's a real great preacher. If you want to hear a really good sermon, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. And it's odd for a preacher to say that during the middle of his sermon, right? If you want to hear a good sermon, go to, go to YouTube or go to the Internet. And, and there's a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. He's a, he's a real famous preacher. And he preaches a message by the same title. And I didn't know that until I, I, I had this title written down. And then I found out that he preached it too. But I'm going in a different direction. The title of the message this morning is in verse number 14. He says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. And then he says this, For what is your life? What is your life? And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a very deep question, right? I mean, we could spend all day talking about what our life is and, and what our life means and all that. I'll first ask you this question. How, how is life going for you right now in this moment some people would answer that question by saying my life is going great some people would ask that or would answer that question by saying my life's not going so well right now and then if you're Jim Maddox where uh, is Jim Maddox in the building right now there's Jim Maddox you ask Jim Maddox how things are right now does anybody know what Jim will say he'll say they're medium uh, Right, Brother Jim? Say amen right there. That's okay. Amen. That's the first time Jim has said amen. I'm just kidding. Sometimes life goes well. Sometimes life 
doesn't seem to go so well, and then sometimes life's just medium, whatever that means. <laughs> but then I ask you another question. I'm asking a lot of questions this morning. Uh, not only is, is how is your life going, but how do you really define how your life is going? I mean, if you were to, if you were to ask if I were to ask you and say, explain to me why your life is going well, what would you say to me? You would probably say things like, well, I'm pretty healthy. You would say things like, my bills are paid. You would say things like, my family's doing well. And, and we have all these parameters and all these things that, that we consider that if these things are like they are, then yes, life must be going bad or good. I'm sorry. But if I ask you, why is your life bad? You might say things like, well, uh, you know, somebody's sick in my family, or perhaps I'm sick, or perhaps the bills are not getting paid, or perhaps things are not going well between you and your spouse, or whatever it may be. And we have this other set of parameters that we say, well, life is going bad. And then we would have to, have to ask Jim what the parameters are for what is life medium. But anyway, I won't get too, too deep into that, but... If I ask you those questions and you, you answer those in a certain way, we would, we would all probably agree that if everybody's healthy and all the bills are paid and, and, and all that, life's pretty good. And we all know for, for certain people right now, life's pretty bad, it seems. But the Bible really is not asking that question, what is your life in, in those terms? Not if your life is good or if it's bad or whatever. He goes on to say your life is a vapor. It appears for just a little while and then vanishes away. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to give you, here's, here's, here's the message. It's really simple. What is your life not versus what your life is? Now, that may be a little confusing to write down, but hopefully in just a moment, you'll see where I'm going. The first thing I'd like to say is your life is not something that you should take lightly. Life is such a precious thing. It is so precious, get this, because God gave it to you. And that is why it's precious. Now, God has given us a lot of things. Like I said, if you ask somebody if life is good or bad, a lot of times they'll start defining it by things. You know, they'll say, I've got this or I've got that, and, 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 and this is why it's going well. But, but I would say this, if you just have life and that's all you have, you've got it pretty good. See, the thing about it is, is, is the day and time that we live in, it doesn't seem that life is as precious as it once was. And, and it, it just seems like that, that we... Think about this. I'll give you this example. We, we're getting desensitized, I think, to the, how precious life really is. If you turn on the news right now, it, let's just say you, you get home... And you turn on the, the, 
Uh, is there a 12 o'clock news on Sunday? I don't know, but it, it, let's say there is, and you go home and you turn that news on, and the news anchor comes on and said that there's a, a bomb went off somewhere in the United States or somewhere in the world and, and killed dozens of people or, or hundreds of people, whatever that may be, or we hear about a shooting or we hear about murders in, in these big cities and, and even in Cookville. I mean, there's people getting murdered right here in Cookville, and, and we, we see those things and we hear those things, and you know what? We say, oh, that's, that's sad. And then we just go on with life and we don't think anything about it for the most part. Now, there's two reasons for that. One of them is probably because it's not in our family that this is happening or it's not us directly connected to it. But it's like life, just it doesn't mean as much as it once did. Job chapter 7, verse 7 says, Oh, remember that my life is like wind. What that means is it's here one minute and it's gone just like the vapor. So we understand that it's not something that we should be taking lightly. Not only did God give us life and give us the air that we breathe, but God created us, understand this, in His own image. I've, a lot of times I've, I would like to understand what God looks like or what, what just more about God. And, and you think about this, if you go and you read in Genesis and you read about the creation of man, God looks at Jesus and he looks at the Holy Ghost because he says, let us make man in our own image. You were created in the image of God and given life so that you can do what with it? Is it so that you can live your own life and so that you can do what you want to? The second thing I want to say is your life is not yours to live how you want to live it. I'm going to say that again just in case you didn't get it. Your life is not your life to live how you want to live it. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to read you a verse of Scripture, Galatians Chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, for though, I, the law, for though the law am now dead to me, he said that I might live to God, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now I'm going to go ahead and say that this mostly applies to Christians because he said that the Christ is living through us. But know this, that when God gave you your life, he didn't mean for you to just hijack it and go do whatever you want to with it. As I said earlier, you talk about, we talk about our plans and the things that we want to do and the things we would like to accomplish. And, and you know, and especially in the, the world that we live in, we live in, in America, and there's, like, there's almost a blueprint for how you should live your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's like when you're born, you know, you, you, you have that little time when it's fun and things are worry-free. And then you go through school and you graduate high school and then you go to college. And, and maybe during college or after college, you're supposed to get married. And, and then you're supposed to, you know, go work. And you're supposed to work for so many years. And then you're supposed to retire. And then you stay retired for a little while. And then eventually maybe you go to the nursing home or, or whatever. Whatever, and, and then that's it, and, that, and that's life as we know it. 
And it's so easy to get caught up in that, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's so easy to just, to just lose focus of the big picture and we're stuck in this little part of our life and, and we, we don't value it and we don't think that, that it's not really our life that we're living. It's God's life that we're living through, through us. God's living through us. And so in light of that, our life that we live should not just be for us, but it should be for Him and for His glory. And that's difficult. I, I understand that. It's, it's not an easy task. It's not easy to do that. But he said that, that if, if we're living in Christ, save people. Understand this. If you're saved, pay attention. You're living for the glory of God. Everything that you do should glorify God. Now, as I said earlier, it's not that bad to, to have some plans and have some ideas, but if God wants you to go in a different direction than you have planned for, than you, that you have, have thought about and want to do, then, then I would say that unless you follow His direction, your life is not going to go very well. I think about when I answered the call to preach, or when I was called to preach. It was seven years before I answered the call to preach, and God told me, you're supposed to be a preacher and, uh, and a series of events happened, and I didn't answer the call to preach. And for that seven years, I was living my life how I wanted to live it. And I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing, going places I shouldn't have been going, hanging out with people I probably shouldn't have been hanging out with. Now, I wouldn't, you know, just in a gang or anything like that, but I was still doing things I shouldn't. And for that seven years, God dealt with me, and I was miserable, and I wasn't, I wasn't living the life that God had intended for me to live. And so therefore, life wasn't very pleasant. Life wasn't very enjoyable. Now I'll say this, that it doesn't just mean that you're in the center of the will of God and that means your life's going to be perfect. But that also means that you'll have peace in Him. What is your life? Ask yourself that question. Is the life that I'm now living, am I living it for myself or am I living it for God? Now you say, well that's easy for you to say you're the preacher. You go to church for a living. And that's awesome. I do. I mean, this, I, I love being a pastor. I, I'll tell you that. I just want to say thank you for letting me be your pastor because I love being a pastor. I love getting to, to come to church and, and just sit in my office and read the Bible and study and pray. I mean, that's, that's an awesome thing. It's an honor. But understand that just because I'm the preacher doesn't mean that I don't get caught up in other things. And I get caught up in things of, of myself. And, and sometimes I forget that I'm living for the glory of God. And I think a lot of people in the church and, and, and in the world have forgotten. Or maybe they just didn't know to start with. I don't know what it was. That we are to live for the glory of God. And then the third thing, and this one will probably take a little longer than the other two did. Is your life is not going to last forever. And that's, that's what verse 14 says, and, and even into verse 15, and I'll read on down. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor, or what he's saying here, it's just a puff of steam that appears for just a little time, and then it just vanishes. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. See, earlier when I talked about the life that we expect to live, where we go through school and we get married and we uh, go into our careers and all that, that that's, that's sort of what we expect. And if you go over to the book of, of Psalms, 
and you read Psalm 90, you read about Moses. Moses is in the book of Psalms, by the way. Everybody, a lot of people think it's just David writing Psalms. But you read Moses' Psalm, and it's when God told him that anybody that's above 20 years old is not going to get into the promised land. I'm not going to get all into that Psalm, but he said that, that man may have three score and 10, 70 years, and maybe 80 years. And that's basically what we expect, right? Now, a few people in here are maybe over 80 years old. Uh, Brother Albert and Sister Fanny May, they're not here, but they're in their 90s. And, and that's when you expect that life comes to an end. Now, that sounds morbid and that sounds terrible and, 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 and all this, but, but understand this, that, that everybody's going to face that one day. And, and I don't know that anybody just gets excited about the thought of not being here anymore. I've never really met anybody. Now, understand this. I've, I've met a lot of people. As, as a preacher, I've, I've been around a lot of people who were saved. They knew they were saved. They were on their way to heaven and laying on their deathbed. They were, you know, they knew they were ready to go, and it wasn't that they were having to try to make things right at the last minute. But still, they weren't just sitting there saying, you know what, I'm just really excited about taking my last breath. Because there's a little bit of unknown there. You don't know what the experience is because you've never experienced it. And we think that about older people and, and we think that after we live our lives and we complete our careers and we retire and you know we get 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe even 100 years old, then one of these days we'll be in the nursing home and, and then finally death will come knocking and we'll have to go. But that's not always the case, is it? You know, if you, if you read the obituaries, and I know some of you do that, some more than others, Brother Cecil, but if you read the obituaries, you'll go through there and you'll see that it's not just 70-year-olds, 60-year-olds. The, the, the longer you go through there, and, and I'm, I'm getting to the age now where I'm, I'm seeing even people my age are dying. You know, 35, 40 years old, that's hard for me to say. You just never know. I've, I've probably told you this story before, but it's worth telling again that I, I grew up with a guy whose name was, was Jacob. And uh, he, was, he was born in, I believe, 1993. Is that right, Lacey? 93, 95, something like that. He was just a few years younger than me. And, uh, and he was full of life. He was, he was working and he was doing well and, and things were going great for him. And uh, he, he didn't have a care in the world. And he, he dropped his girlfriend off one night at her house. And he was just going to go home. He was going to go home, go to bed, and uh, get up the next morning and just go to work. You know, he was just going to live life. Just do his thing. And uh, he topped a hill. And, and he was speeding because, you know, every 20-something-year-old speeds, right? That's just what, we, that's what 20-year-olds do. And he topped the hill, and he was speeding, and he met a cop, and the cop blue-lighted him. He thought he was smart, and he took off, lost it in a curve, ejected from the car, killed on the spot. Now, I was in Panama City Beach, Florida, on vacation, and got that phone call from his sister at 1 o'clock in the morning that her brother had died. He didn't expect it. She didn't expect it. 
mother, grandparents, all those that are left behind, never, ever thought for one minute that he wasn't going to be here tomorrow. That he wasn't going to get to, you know, live to an old age and, and get married. He wasn't married. Uh, he, he was just seeing a girl and, and do all these things that are expected in life. Now, I'm not saying that he was necessarily doing a lot of things wrong. I mean, I'm going to throw it out there that running from the cops is not a smart thing to do, right? But it doesn't have to be that. It could be just about anything. Know that your life is not going to last forever. We, we live it a lot of times like it is going to last forever. And people push off the decisions that they must make for God. And they think, I'm going to make it right at the very end. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I hate to keep giving you examples that I deal with, but it's just stuff that I know. There was a guy uh, that that died and as as far as i knew he died lost he was he was on drugs and he was he was just living this awful life and just was what i consider to be an adulterer and a drug addict and a drunkard and and all these things and so in the back of my mind when when i got the news that he had passed away i thought man that guy's lifted up his eyes in hell and he was really he was really close to my family and finally, I sat down and talked to some people, and they said that he made it right, made his peace with God. That's what they said. Now, I know it's just semantics, but I don't like the words peace with God or, or he made it right. I would like to hear that he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Amen? And that's just my opinion, and I wasn't there, so I, I, you know, and I can't be the judge of that. It's not my responsibility to, to decide where this man is spending his eternity, but the fact of the matter is, he was, he was like 62 or 3 years old. He, he wasn't what we would consider an old guy, and yet right now, his life may have ended on this earth just a few weeks ago, but he's, in, he's spending eternity somewhere. Know this, that when God breathed that life into Adam, when God literally, I believe, put his mouth over Adam and breathed life into Adam, he made man an eternal soul, right? He, he made man where he's going to live forever. But he's not going to live forever here. He'll live forever somewhere. Your life is just a vapor. I like to, uh, there, there's an old magazine, and, and some of y'all are going to laugh at me because I know the name of this. If you get this magazine, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody ever heard of the Reminisce magazine? Nobody? A few of you have, and everybody that raised their hand is over 60, I think, except for Betty. But anyways, uh, it, it talks about things and how they used to be in the past. And uh, I, like, I like to sit down and think about the past sometimes, don't you? I like to sit down and, and, uh, and look at pictures about how things used to be. And I, I like to look at, and I laugh at pictures that the cars people drove sometimes and the outfits that we wore and, and you know, just, just things of the past. But then you, you get to looking at those pictures and you get to thinking about the past and then you begin to see people that used to be here. Recently, I discovered an old, uh, an old photo album from probably the, the early 90s of this church. 
And uh, I was in the library one day and just opened it and found it. And I was looking back through that. And there was probably, I don't know, three or four hundred people in that photo album. If you would like to see it, we'll, we'll go dig it out. And, and, but, but as I was going through it, Sister Connie and Brother Cecil, they were both in it. And I got to look at them, how they looked in the early 90s. And I barely recognized them. Cecil with his little mustache. And I didn't even hardly recognize them. But what I did see was that they were, they were enjoying themselves flipping through this and saying, well, there's Brother so-and-so. And their sister so and so, and and you know, and they they would tell they would stop and tell a story. Well, this guy did this, or this woman did that, or she sat here, or he led the singing, or he did this and that. He was a Sunday school teacher, and we think about all those people in our past. And it doesn't just have to be people from here. It could be your parents, or your grandparents, or or family members, or whoever it may be. And and now they're gone. And they're just a memory, but yet they're alive somewhere, right? Even today. And when they were alive, uh, I believe we would have treasured them a little more if we'd have thought about when they were going to be gone. Think about that with my mom and my grandparents and, and folks that I've lost in my family. And you think about, man, I would have just told them I loved them one more time or I would have done this or I would have done that. Well, perhaps you need to, to, to go ahead and do that because you never know what, what, what's around the next corner. You never know what tomorrow is going to bring. That's just life. But that's the life that God gave us. And God gives us the, the option to live eternally. I, I don't have to maybe explain this too deep, but you, you know that if you're going to live somewhere for eternity, that you would much rather live with God in heaven for eternity than live in hell. I mean, that, that should be a no-brainer, right? There shouldn't be a question. There shouldn't be any hesitation to say, yes, I want to live my life eternally with God. But yet day after day, moment after moment, so many people fail to make that decision because they don't realize that their life could be gone like that. This is, this is kind of heavy stuff, right? But it's stuff that we need to realize. And while we're alive, and, and the, the Bible says in one place that while it is yet still day, and we have the opportunity to serve God. Or in the case of some, to get right with God, to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. While we still have the opportunity, we should embrace that opportunity. We should take advantage of that opportunity. We should take advantage of every day that God gave us on this earth. Because it could be your last I've been, I've been at this church now for, I started in September of 2019, so, so almost two and a half years now. And I think back over the, just the, the, few, the people that have gone since I've even been here. Precious people. And I think about the impact that they've made on this church. If you're saved, I want to throw this out there to you. That if you're on your way to heaven but yet you're not living your life for God like you should, understand this, that you need to make an impact on this world while you still can. 
It may not be the biggest, greatest thing in the world, but, but make an impact on somebody. Go tell somebody about Jesus. Go tell somebody it might be their last day and make that impact and leave that legacy and do it for the glory of God. But if you don't know Jesus, I, I want you to understand, and, and you know this, and this verse is, is probably so common that you don't even think about it. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house. And Lord, when, when James wrote this, no doubt... He was thinking about people. And he was thinking about the church and the people that he was writing to. And he wanted them to understand that our little 70 or 80 or 90 years is nothing compared to eternity that we will spend somewhere. And Lord, I pray that everybody in this, this church is right with you. That they know you as their Savior and I'm, it's my prayer that everybody in here would, would spend eternity in heaven. But that's probably not the case. Lord, I just pray that you would show people. Lord, even in this frail attempt at preaching, God, I just pray that your word would go out and that it would not return void this morning. God, do your work. Let the Holy Spirit move. Help the lost to be saved. Help the, the backslider to be reclaimed. And help the Christian to go, grow stronger in you every day. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory because you're the only one that's worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing just as I am. Hymn number 275, just as I am. for just a moment and uh, bow your head and close your eyes lost, saved, whoever you are and uh, I want you to think about that verse you may not have heard anything that I said and, and honestly my, my little three points they don't really matter but understand this 
that your life, the one that you have now, it's, it's going to vanish. It may be through death. It may be that you get, you know, carried out in the casket and buried. It may be uh, through the coming of the Lord, whatever it may be. But one of these days, life as we know it is over. And I hope that you're prepared to stand before God. I hope you're prepared to stand there and, and the blood has been applied and he can say, this is one of mine. Enter in my good and faithful servant. I wouldn't want anybody to have to stand before God and hear the words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. But yet that's probably said a lot more than the other. And I hope everybody here has their heart right. If not, I would implore you to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Just simply ask, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and you can be saved. Let's pray one more time. God, please help people to understand the gravity of this verse in this section of Scripture in the book of James. But it's not just here. It's, it's scattered throughout the entire Bible from cover to cover that people need to turn from their sin and turn to God. God, help us to see that and help us to see that, that not only is there sin and not only is there eternal damnation, but Lord, that there's hope. And that we can cry out to you and simply just say, God, save me. And you'll save us. You'll forgive us of our sins. And put us on the path to heaven with you. God, I just pray that you would deal with the lost. Lord, help the Christian to understand we need to be living our lives for you as an example of Christ living in us. Lord, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for letting us be here this morning. And let the Holy Spirit continue to do his work in the lives of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.